is good to us. Feel the anointing of God, the presence of God in this place today. And I know that you are around this city in your house. And today I want to speak to you from the Word of God, a timely message that comes from the Scripture about today. Today is Resurrection Sunday, and we worship and we exalt the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We do not serve a dead God. We serve a living God. Amen. And so today I want to pick two passages of Scripture for your reading. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 2 and verse number 4. We'll also be reading John chapter 20 and verse 26. Two passages of Scripture. Mark 2, 4, and John 20, and verse 26. Mark chapter 2, verse number 4. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they lay down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. John chapter 20 and verse number 6, 26. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. And for a few moments today on this Resurrection Sunday, I want to speak to you on this subject. Through the roof and through the wall. Through the roof and through the wall. Lord, we thank you today for your word and we need it today more than we've needed it maybe in times past, seasons in life, stages in life, things that happen. And today, in the midst of all of the happenings, we find ourselves celebrating a great day, a resurrection day in our homes today. We give to you thanks and we praise you and we ask that your word would be a strength to us we would feel an anointing where we are gathered together today. We give to you praise, we worship you, and we honor you. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Through the roof and through the wall. Both passages reveal similarities. Jesus is there. Others are there. And there happens to be in a house. Presumably, in John chapter 20, the Bible tells us that Peter and John went to their own homes. Later in the chapter, they are gathered together. And so we can presume that they were in a house. First passage that we read, individuals trying to get into the house could not because of the press. The similarities of both passages is that they were all in a house. This day, April the 12th, 2020, will go down in history. 
where most religious observers will celebrate the resurrection in their homes and not in a public place of worship. However, I want to make this disclaimer today, and I want to make it very emphatically, that one can worship anywhere. When you look in the scripture, you will find individuals worshiping God on a mountaintop. You will see individuals worshiping God in the middle of a flood. You will see individuals that find an opportunity to worship God in a fiery furnace and in a lion's den. You will find folks that know that even in a prison cell, they can worship God. You will find individuals on a shipwreck still worshiping and lifting up the name of the Lord. You can find individuals in an upper room and they are praising and worshiping God. You can find individuals on a rooftop praising God. You can find individuals in the belly of a large fish praising God. You can find them in the streets magnifying God. You can find them in the desert magnifying God. Even on an isolated remote island, there is still somebody that's going to lift up their voice and praise God and say, no matter where I am today, I'm going to give you praise. And today I happen to be in my house, but I'm still going to magnify your great and your wonderful name. John in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 9 said, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and under Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. John said, I may be banished on an island called Patmos. I may be sent here in persecution, but on the Lord's day, I felt the spirit of God and the anointing of God. And he told me to write and he told me to understand and recognize that you cannot confine the presence of God no matter where you are. And today you can be in a car. God's still there. You can be in a walk through the park and God is there. You can be running down an almond orchard and you can feel the anointing of God. You can be on the side of a road and even today, this day, you can be in a house and you can still feel God's anointing and God's power. No matter where you are, God is there. And he can be there. And so today is an interesting day, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you find yourself today. There are parallels in the scripture that even in your house, God is there. Why don't you make it today a house of 
fellowship. You've gathered together with your family. Make it a house of fellowship. Why don't you today make it a house of prayer in your house today on this day? Make it an opportunity to say today I'm going to pray and seek God today. Make your house a place of worship and an opportunity to praise God for everything that he has done today. Today, make it a house of God. This is my summary point here today by way of this introduction. And that is you can worship God anywhere if your desire is strong enough. And I'm here today to tell you I'm desiring to seek the anointing, the hand of God, the ability of God, and the presence of God. If there is a desire, you can worship God anywhere. As a matter of fact, there were those in our first text that wanted to gather together. And so they gathered in Capernaum, a city, a village on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. They were gathered in Capernaum. It was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. And so many were gathered together. Insomuch the scripture said that there was no room and they could not get any more bodies inside the house. They were spilling out of the door and Jesus was in the midst of the house and he was preaching unto them. And there were four individuals that had an individual that was sick of the palsy and they put him on a bed, a cot, and they carried him to this place in Capernaum. When they got there, they couldn't get in, but there was a desire and a, a tenacity that we want to get our burden as close as we can to Jesus when they couldn't get in the door and there was no way to get inside. The scripture said that they uncovered the roof where he was and when they had broken it up, they led him down on the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw that kind of faith, he looked at the man that was in the bed and he said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. There were those in the crowd. Some of them were of the religious order, the scribes that were sitting there and they reasoned in their hearts and they said, this man is speaking blasphemies because who can forgive sins but God only. When Jesus perceived in their spirit, that they reasoned among themselves. He said, which is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, your sins be forgiven or arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know, that you may know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man, sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up your bed and go thy way into your house. And immediately the man arose, he took up his bed and he went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed in that city of Capernaum, in that village. And they glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. There are three points that come out of this passage of scripture that I want to leave with you. Number one, these four men had a desire, the four men and the one on the bed 
had a desire to get to Jesus that was awe-inspiring. No amount of discomfort was going to stop them. Praise God. This says much about the four men that was carrying what was a burden on the cot. We want to carry this burden and get it to Jesus because we know that if Jesus is able to speak to this burden and the feeling and the anointing that we feel and know and understand and have heard about, there is a healing that can take place. And so they made their way and they tore off the roof. Just wow, this is an inspiring. If we could have the same attitude and the same spirit and the same inspiration to say it doesn't matter where I am, I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to make sure I feel his anointing. I'm not going through this day without feeling the touch of the Almighty. I want his presence to resonate with me today. No matter what stands in my way, I'm going to get myself into the presence of God. The desire to get to Jesus is all inspiring. The second point about this passage is Jesus forgives the man's sins before he addresses his physical condition. We're in a state right now when people are worrying about their physical condition. But I want you to know something. There is something greater than my physical condition, and that is my spiritual condition. Jesus set the priorities in proper perspective when, first of all, he addressed the man's spiritual nature before he addressed the man's physical nature. He said, your sins are forgiven you. Did these men carry this man up to the top of the house and tear off the roof so that Jesus could respond to his spiritual condition or did they do that so that he would respond to the man's physical condition I don't know but I do know this what a surprise it was when Jesus said your sins are forgiven you that is the greatest miracle that could ever ever take place I'm thankful for God's healing but I want to make sure that my soul is saved. Jesus put things in proper perspective and he says, which is easier to those that were doubting, to those that were looking on on the outside saying, who does this man think that he is? Jesus said, what do you think is easier? Do you think it's easier to say your sins are forgiven? Or do you think it's easier for, uh, for him to say, take up your bed and walk? Hallelujah. It would be very difficult for anybody to say, take up your bed and walk. But it's a real miracle when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Not anybody can forgive sins. Not everybody can do what Jesus said. But he spoke to the man's spiritual condition and he said, I can forgive you of your sins. Today is your day. Today's an opportunity to know that I can be saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to know at your house today that you're saved. And if you are saved, that's the first part of the sequence in priority. I want to be, if we go through this whole thing and people are just worried about their physical body and their fear, 
physical condition. We have missed the greatest opportunity that we find ourselves in. We find ourselves in an opportunity to say, God, I want you to touch my mind, body, soul, my spirit. I want you to save my soul. Amen. If you're listening to me today and you are saved, you need to thank God that God has brought salvation to you today. Amen. If you don't know what I'm talking about today, you need to don't hesitate. You need to say, God, I want to open my spirit and my heart. I repent of thinking that I could do things on my own and walk through a life of distractions. I want to draw closer to you. I want your name to be applied to my life. I want to be baptized in a name that's above every name. I want your spirit to dwell within me. I want the Holy Ghost to walk with me. Praise God. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Right now. God speaks to our spiritual condition before he ever speaks to the physical condition. Number three, Jesus heals him and gives him power over his ailment. Amen. He says to the man, it's time for you to show the bed who's boss. <laughs> Take up your bed and go your way because I've forgiven your sins and I've healed your body. When God gives you the power and the ability and the Holy Ghost comes on the inside, he gives you the power and the ability to take up those things that would be an obstacle, would stand in your way. And he gives you the ability to walk with them and have power over the affliction. This is what the Holy Ghost does. Tearing off the roof, coming through the roof, through the roof. There were people who were willing to do and go beyond just what was normal and what was comfortable. They went through the roof. It was their initiative. Nobody was telling them, forcing them, coercing them. These four men carrying the man sick of a palsy said, we've got a personal initiative. We've got some skin in the game. We got to get close to Jesus. And when they did their part, the master did a great work and gave to us these words of inspiration today that we could stand today on this resurrection day and know that we serve a living God that is able to respond to us and give us power over those things that would try to destroy us or hinder us or keep us from our purpose and destiny that God has given and destined us for. This is worth magnifying and praising God like the rest of the crowd who said we have never seen it on this fashion. I want you to know that you serve a great and a living God. Go through the roof. Go through the roof. No obstacle is going to stand in my way. There may be stumbling blocks in the way, but there's no mountain high enough and there's no valley low enough. I'm going through the roof today. I'm going through that which is uncomfortable. I'm going through things that are abnormal, but I'm going to touch the throne of God. And I'm going to magnify him and praise him today. Through the roof, 
and through the wall. The same Jesus that healed in that house was the same Jesus that lost all of his crowds when he revealed his greater purpose. Jesus at some point in his ministry said, I didn't come just to heal you. I came to save you. John recognized this very early in his ministry. John chapter 1 and verse number 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh. The latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The religious authorities felt threatened they were losing their power and control. They tried to trap him. They tried to ridicule him. They tried to threaten him. They tried to silence him. They tried to discredit him. And under this mounting pressure, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21, how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Even those closest to him, his very own disciples, tried to dissuade him. Though he had done nothing wrong, the Jews, which really represented the realm of unbelief, they made false accusations. They arrested him. They gave him a shoddy, trumped-up trial and commissioned him to be put to death by crucifixion on a cross. The Roman governor, Pilate, didn't know what to do with him. John chapter 18, verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. He was handed over to be beaten, lashed, mocked, crucified. A terrible way to die and an ignoble death according to the world. But the truth was, he was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The truth was 
in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The truth is that at Calvary, he was crowned as the king that takes his rightful place, the one who is able to offer the ultimate sacrifice through his blood. The king who was placed in a tomb, but the tomb could not hold him. The king that conquered death and the grave and defeated hell. The king that is doing more to get to you than you can do to get to him. I want to go through the roof today because I know he's coming through the wall today through Calvary and the power of Calvary to meet me where I am today. I want him to know that he's the king of kings, that he was the ultimate sacrifice, that there was no money, no amount of wealth could purchase my salvation, but he purchased it because he was one that knew no sin. He went through every temptation that I go through and yet he knew no sin and he provided himself as of a spotless lamb without blemish. Hallelujah. Praise God and without spot. I want to say today you are the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and you are crowned with glory and honor at Calvary you gave to us great opportunity to stand before you today and say there was a resurrection and there's a resurrection coming. Jesus said in other words through his actions, I'm going to go through pain and suffering the cross and the grave to get to you, to get to you today. I'm going to give you a hope, a hope that maketh not a shame and I want to give to you a promise that you can participate in this power. Amen. Amen. I'm conquering death, hell, and the grave. I'm taking the keys and I'm giving to you a promise of eternal life that there is no grave that can keep you. If your name is applied to my life and your spirit is within me, the worms may bring about decay in this body and life, but one of these mornings there's going to be a redemption just like the first Adam and the second Adam that came out of the grave and out of the tomb. It's a promise that he gives to everybody that the grave cannot hold us. And we have a promise and a hope, a promise and a hope today through the roof. And he's coming through Calvary and the cross to come through the wall, through the roof and through the wall. Jesus was in the grave. Mary decided to make her way to the tomb. When she got there, she saw the stone was rolled away. 
She ran quickly and she invited Peter and John to come with her. They ran to the tomb. Stone was rolled away. They stuck their head into the tomb. His garment is there, but Jesus is not there. The Bible tells us that Peter and John went back to their own house. You're in your house today. They went back to their own house. Mary lingered there at the tomb. The stone is rolled away. She stuck her head back in there. She saw an angel at the head and an angel at the foot in his garment. And they asked, why are you weeping? And she said, because they have taken my master's body. And she steps out into the opening and turns and looks and she sees someone standing there and she thinks it's the gardener. And the gardener asks her, why are you weeping? And she said, because they have taken my master's body. Jesus responds to her in such a way that she recognizes and knows that this is Jesus. This is the resurrected one. He says to her, don't touch me because I'm going to go to my father and your father. And I want you to go back and tell the disciples that I'm going to my God and your God and their God. I'm going to finalize this spotless lamb sacrifice slain from the foundation of the world that is a one-off. It's going to be the final sacrifice and there will be no more need for any other sacrifice. It's the only sacrifice that you will ever need anymore because I have been the spotless lamb. I want you to go tell them what I have told you. Mary went back to their house and she told them, I've seen Jesus and I'm bringing to you the news that he's alive. The first time Jesus appears to the disciples, when the door was shut, he comes to the wall and he meets them and he says, peace be unto you. And then he gives an illustration of the Holy Ghost. He breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Ghost. He comes through the wall. He came by way of Calvary and the grave and through the wall into the house and said, the Holy Ghost is going to be upon you and it's going to be poured out to an entire world. And he gives them opportunity to link up and join with his mission, even though they doubted, walked away. And we're afraid there's going to be a new body of disciples, though, that come out of their house. Praise God. I feel the anointing right now that come out of their house. Praise God. Not running in their house to hide, but coming out of the house because the Holy Ghost has been breathed upon them. And there's great faith. And they go their way and they start spreading the news. Praise God. Jesus came to us through the wall of the house in a resurrected body. We don't know how he arrived. We don't know how he got there, but he got there through a resurrected body. It was Jesus. There is a resurrection. Faith started to build. 
the anointing started to move. And they were gathered together again, but there was one of the disciples that was standing back in unbelief. He couldn't imagine that Jesus came through the wall. Before we get to Thomas, I want to say this. I want to say that Jesus will come through every wall that you may feel like you're running up against, through every failure, through every obstacle, through every attack of the enemy. Jesus runs through the wall by way of Calvary to extend to you his blood and his mercy and his power. He'll run through the wall if you have an opportunity to say, I want to come through the roof and Jesus will come through the wall. And when you come through the roof and Jesus comes through the wall, there's a revival that takes place because whenever you do your part, he does his part. He comes to you in a way that you could not get to him. What walls are facing you today? What walls have you enclosed around yourself that you're hiding in today? What walls of uncomfortableness? What walls of failure? Praise God, I'm thinking of situations right now that people feel like because of this present circumstance that there are barriers and obstacles that are separating them. Amen. God is greater and God can appear to you through the wall. Amen. In conclusion here today on this resurrection day, there was one that said, I don't know if Jesus can get to me. His name was Thomas. He was so hurt. He wasn't with the disciples on that first occurrence in their house. But on the second opportunity, he was with the other disciples. He was with Peter and James, John and Andrew, Bartholomew, James the Lesser. Judas had made his play and was not there. Jude was there. Matthew was there. Philip was there. Simon the Zealot was there. This time, Thomas was there. We read this at the beginning of our message. Thomas, one of the 12, he wasn't with them when Jesus came the first time. The disciples told him, we've seen the Lord, but he said unto them, except, except I see his hands and except I see the print of the nails and I put my finger in his side. I won't believe. I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were within. This is very emphatic. Thomas with them. Notice this. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. He came through the wall. He said to Thomas, reach your finger and your hands. 
thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus in that resurrected body came through the wall and he said to Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen me, thou believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That is us today. I haven't physically seen him and yet I believe him. And I believe that through my attitude of coming through a roof, it's a God that can come to me through every wall. What happens when you go through the roof and Jesus goes through the wall? Revival takes place in your house. Know this, know this. When you desire to get to Jesus, no matter what stands in the way, Jesus desires to get to you through the power of the cross, through the power of his blood, and through the power of his resurrection. It's resurrection day today. You don't have to tear the roof off of your house because his spirit is available to everybody. But he'll come to you today through the wall. He won't physically open up a door. There'll be no opening of a door coming physically through a wall, but you can feel his touch and anointing as he comes in your house today. And he presents himself before you today. And he says to you today, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm bringing to you hope of a resurrection. And I'm bringing healing and I'm bringing a touch of God and the hand of God. And so for you, for you and those gathered together in your house with you, there is a God that's coming through the wall to present his presence and his anointing. And as they begin to sing today, an altar service today is an opportunity to say, God, I don't have to physically tear off the roof, but give me the same desire and attitude. Oh, give me that same, give me that same desire, Lord. Oh, to go through every obstacle. Say, God, I'm going to get to you. God takes that initiative, that power, that anointing, and he meets you. that was shed so that you 